0: You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin.
1: 1979 was a crucial year for Taiwan. In January of that year, the United States changed its diplomatic recognition from Taipei to Beijing. And in December of that same year, the Kaohsiung incident happened. Speaking with my guest, Dr. Mark Chen, For This episode made me realize that there are many people to thank for the important work that they did back then to safeguard Taiwan and the people of Taiwan. Dr. Mark Chen, Chen Tangshan, has spent much of his life dedicated to doing advocacy work for Taiwan, both in the U.S. and in Taiwan. Listeners of this podcast may recall his name being mentioned in episode 199, when I spoke with Garrett van der Wees about the Taiwan Relations Act. When the United States formally recognized the Communist People's Republic of China and severed its diplomatic ties with Taiwan in 1979, Mark Chen and others reached out to U.S. congressmen and senators to express the concerns of the people of Taiwan. As a result, he and several others were invited to testify in front of the U.S. Congress as the Taiwan Relations Act was being drafted. The act passed in April of 1979. Later that same year, when the Kaohsiung incident happened on December 10th, Dr. Chen and overseas Taiwanese were galvanized to call for further investigation into the matter and to put international pressure on the Kuomintang government to release those charged and arrested in connection with the Kaohsiung incident. Dr. Chen also shared how the advocacy work being done for Taiwan at the time led to the formation of FAPA, the Formosan Association for Public Affairs, in 1982. This year marks the 40th anniversary of FAPA. In part one of my interview, we focus on the work he's done for Taiwan in the U.S., which started when he was a student at the University of Oklahoma. Dr. Chen has been the president of the Taiwanese Association of America, World Federation of Taiwanese Associations, and the Formosan Association of Public Affairs. In part two of my interview with Mark Chen, we'll talk about his work in Taiwan as an elected official and public servant, and his current work as the chairman of the Prospect Foundation. This episode of Talking Taiwan has been sponsored by Natoa, the North America Taiwanese Women's Association. Natoa was founded in 1988, and its mission is 1. To evoke a sense of self-esteem and enhance women's dignity. Two to oppose gender discrimination and promote gender equality three to fully develop women's potential and encourage their participation in public affairs four to contribute to the advancement of human rights and democratic development in Taiwan five to reach out and work with women's organizations worldwide to promote peace for all to learn more about not visit their website com. Without further ado, here's our interview. Welcome to the podcast. Yep,
0: yeah, thank you very much for inviting me here.
1: You have a, such a long record of advocacy and work for Taiwan, and I want to introduce you a little bit to my listeners. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your upbringing in Taiwan. Uh, I know that you're from Tainan. Can you talk about what it was like growing up in Taiwan. And I know that you were born towards the end of the Japanese era and also experienced a transition to Kuomintang rule. So I was wondering if you could give me some reflections on what it was like growing up in that period of time.
0: Okay, well, I'm uh, very happy to uh, go back to the my life history since you asked me about it. I was born in 19, uh, uh, 1930. 1935, 1935, during the uh, Japanese uh, reign over Taiwan. So uh, as a result, I received close to two and a half years of education under the Japanese system. But uh, as you may understand, uh, during that time, the Second World War was going on, and uh, the American airplane was flying over Taiwan, bombarding Taiwan, and so, in fact, uh, most of the time we stay in the, uh, the underground cell to escape, uh, to save their life. So, we didn't really uh, receive too much of the Japanese education. Uh, but although it was a short uh, period of education that I received, but uh, we have learned a lot about the spirit and the basic principle that the Japanese education has uh, put emphasis on it. So as a result of it, I think I was pretty much uh, impacted and influenced in a positive way by Japanese education. You got to be able to treat people nicely, to act nicely, and be able to help each other. And that was kind of basic principle and the lesson that which I learned. Then after the Second World War, uh, back in 1945, of course, Japan was defeated. And so the Chiang Kai-shek government came in without the consent of the people here in Taiwan. So that was a big turnover. Overnight, we changed the language from Japanese education into Chinese education. And uh, in in that course, uh, uh, the majority of the people here in Taiwan, we cannot speak Mandarin which is Chinese uh, Peking uh, Dialogue, and so we had to start from from from, from scratch. And even the school teachers, they don't understand the, the, the Chinese language at all. So that was a real difficult period of time that uh, our generation uh, had uh, faced. And uh, the problem is, so, so because of that, uh, we have some kind of comparison between what Japanese people, Japanese education received in comparison with the Chinese uh, government coming over to Taiwan because during that time, Chiang Kai-shek's government was trying to focus on going back to mainland China, so-called to recover the mainland China. So the all the teachings uh, given at school was nothing but kind of thought, uh, kind of uh, education, trying to say, well, so called the three principle in their language is called some means we, and they want to counter attack in China. So called, those kind of things is a mess. It was impossible, but still they tried to uh, focus on those issues. And from our point of view, uh, we thought, well, of course, we have nothing to, to, we can't really say anything about it. And, and, uh, because, uh, not too long after Taiwan was, uh, there were so-called the 228 in 1947, as I, as I believe. We call the 228. Taiwanese, we call it two uh, to uh, 228. And uh, resulted in uh, Taiwanese people, uh, intelligence has been killed. Intelligent people uh, has been killed. Uh, uh, thousands of people uh, because of that kind of incident. Because Chinese government was trying to control, to suppress the high-level... Japanese educated people uh, so that they can uh, be given a uh, much uh, uh, easier control over Taiwan. So that was the purpose.
1: 228 is a reference to February 28, 1947, a date which refers to the massacring of tens of thousands in response to tensions that had been mounting between the Chinese nationalist Kuomintang and local Taiwanese. For the 75th anniversary of the 228 massacre, which was earlier this year, we covered the topic in two episodes, so for a deeper dive on the topic of 228, check out episodes 171 and 172. Did you witness anything around the 228 or any of your family experience or witness anything?
0: My my family was not uh, directly uh, suffered from that point of view, but... uh, I have many friends. My friends' uh, parents have been killed, particularly in uh, That uh, Not long after I was attending Jiayi High School, Jiayi Zongshui. Though so I, I ran into so many friends, uh, their parents been killed and m- most of them were medical doctors. So that was an unfortunate event, and uh, that was a starting point for the Taiwanese people to start beginning to recognize the nature of the Chiang Kai-shek government, and uh, what they taught us in the school was nothing but uh, a, a propaganda, and so uh, that uh, gave us a clear comparison between what we were taught and what we received from Japanese education compared to Chiang Kai-shek's uh, uh, government education. So that has tremendous impact on the, the, the younger generations that, like me. So after we graduated from the uh, universities, many people in Taiwan, because we've been treated in a real unfair way, because the local people have been treated as the second class people, and so many young, younger generations like me, we try to find our way out. And so many of them went to Europe, to America, to Japan to receive higher education.
1: So you decided to go to the U.S. How, was that a difficult process to apply and prepare for that?
0: <coughs> well, as you understand it, during the time Taiwan was still uh, relatively poor and it would be very difficult for people or students from Taiwan to go abroad. But unfortunately, uh, we started applying scholarship and many of us applied scholarship uh, from the U.S. Uh, universities and I was fortunate enough to receive uh, the, the grant, this scholarship from University of Oklahoma first and then I went to Purdue University. So mm-hmm. then, uh, this has applied to many of us and uh, speaking of going to study abroad, uh, it was not an easy thing because you had to pass, you had to apply exit visa from Taiwan. And Taiwan was controlled uh, real tight by the so-called, under the martial law, uh, you may heard about it, Taiwan was under yes. martial law. And yes. it was controlled by, by the government. So if you have some kind of so-called the, the thought problem, think, if you have something in your mind, in your brain, that could be interpreted as anti-government, you won't be able to get out you won't be able to get exit visa so that mm-hmm. kind of uh, uh, the process has to be cleared and so that was a real difficult time and the time comes to mean but the most important thing is you got to be able to financially afford to go to study and in uh, in my case uh, I have uh, I, the only way I can do it is depend on the scholarship the university uh, sent me so that was the case. So then I went to USA. <clears throat> First I went to the University of Oklahoma, the Norman, Oklahoma, and uh, <clears throat> I found the uh, United States is so different. Uh, it's such a free country and uh, you can say anything you want. And uh, there are so many gas stations and uh, traffic and so forth <laughs> compared to what you see in Taiwan. So that was a big surprise. So I, I thought, well, we have come to a wonderful uh, uh, wonderland, and so we have to do our best. But the problem is, since you are here in Taiwan, here in the USA, and uh, it's a free country, but then compared to the political atmosphere, I think it's our duty from Taiwan. You got to be able to do something in return to your own home homeland. So we started forming all kinds of organizations, such as Taiwan Tongxianghui and uh, many, many other things. And the one thing you may uh, have heard about, it, it was f- forming the organization we call FAPA, Formosan Association for Public Affairs and so forth. And of course, mm-hmm. later on, when I graduated from the university, I went to work for the Department of Commerce. And before that, I was working part-time uh, as a uh, teaching assistant uh, to the Colorado State University at Fort Currents. And then I returned to receive a position at the federal government in Washington, D.C.
1: When you were in college, were you involved with? Um, did you organize any Taiwanese student groups or any activism when you're in college and university at that yes. time?
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, the first time I was elected to be the uh, president of the uh, Taiwanese uh, Student Association was at University of Oklahoma, Norman, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you understand it, uh, uh, over there there was already a so-called Chinese Chinese Student Association already in existence. Yeah. Yes. And but we saw well, we came from Taiwan and we speak Taiwanese, therefore I think it's much more easier for us to uh, contact to communicate with each other, and
1: mm-hmm. we
0: can cook the same thing, and we can talk the same language, so it's mm-hmm. it's be much more fun and more yeah. interesting to to have our Taiwanese Association. But this is a, a kind of a, a forbidden by then the, the Taiwanese government. So there's a story. When, when, when my passport, uh, because when I left Taiwan, I was holding Taiwan passport. But that yes. passport, passport was on the voyage, on the goods for two years. And then I had to send my passport to, to uh, Houston to uh, Taiwan's uh, council in, during that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was back in 1966 or 64, 65, I think. Yes. Uh, Taiwan still has the official uh, relationship with the United United uh, United States. So I sent my passport to uh, Taiwanese uh, Council Council in Houston, and mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, my passport was confiscated because uh, the reason was because I was active in forming the Taiwanese. Taiwanese Student Association. So as a result, I didn't have a passport, and I was oh. a student attending the University of Oklahoma. Then what, what can you do about it? So, yeah. then, I, so then I contact with lawyers. They said, well, you can apply the permanent residence, the PR. So I, I did, and that was an easy job, and I, I filled just some kind of paper I sent out, and not too long after, I received the permanent residency. So I stay in, in Taiwan. The US. Yeah, I stay in the USA. For- yeah.
1: yeah. Fortunately, my goodness, wow. <laughs> um, did you ever have any experience of um, any with any conflict with the Chinese student group or with any any conflict with anyone because you were doing on campus because you were involved with the Taiwanese students organization?
0: Uh, there was not. Uh, such a physical contact, no, but uh, occasionally we have some language, I think, uh, we can charge each other, and one thing is, uh, it, I think this is a prime example, interesting for our dissenters to, to, to appreciate it, because I was elected to be the President of the uh, Taiwanese Association mm-hmm. at, on the campus of uh, University of Oklahoma, at Norman, Oklahoma and uh, that created uh, the result of uh, my passport was uh, confiscated and uh, and I, I became no status uh, and uh, and uh, because of that uh, uh, i can add i think from my memory uh, because of the 228 incident in taiwan as you heard about Su incident yeah, yeah. And uh, the Taiwanese, so Taiwanese group here in, in New York, they put an advertisement in, in New York Times. And so I copied that kind of uh, ad and tried to put on the papers of the uh, University of Oklahoma Press. And so we, okay. we, we paid the fee. Uh, and uh, they, they promised to have it appeared, to have it uh, published on February 28th. Uh, that was 228. Mm-hmm. But then on Mm -hmm. that date, uh, the paper didn't come out. We already paid. So we went to the, uh, we went to, 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 to talk to the uh, people in charge at the uh, University of Oklahoma. And the reason given to us was well because there was some kind of uh, struggle kind of uh, this is from the from the University of Oklahoma's professor in charge of the, the department of uh, generals. and uh, the professor told me uh, if this kind of uh, paper this kind of paper published it would hurt uh, the friendship between Taiwan and the USA. Uh, I said well. That that kind of thing has been published. That, that kind of content has, has been published from the New York Times, and uh, we don't see anything uh, of that nature. So so I I was.
1: What uh, what, did, what was the ad supposed to say? Was it just well the just the, uh, the, about con- the
0: the content of ad was simply saying the the, the 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 origin and the reason why two to eight two twenty eight uh, happened in Taiwan and uh, Mm -hmm. what is the aftermath of that impact and uh, that was a basic reason, basic fact we thought we have the uh, uh, responsibility of making it known to our international friends, particularly the the United States people and the United States government Mm -hmm. so I thought maybe it was also a good idea to copy that kind of uh, ad yes. and put in the press, in the University of Oklahoma Press. But then, yes. as a result of it, the uh, the, the Oklahoma University was not uh, published uh, at the due date, Of course, although we already yeah. paid the fee. So, mm. as a result of it, I went to directly to, to see the president of the University of Oklahoma. I still remember the president's name is Dr. Cross. I went to his office. I said, I have something to, 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 to ask the president's help. And so I explained the whole situation. And he said, well, that's, uh, that should be published because the New York Times already published. And so that was kind of, an uh, event taking place. Although I, uh, I went to USA not too long as a student. I was, uh, brave enough to go into President uh, Cross office to chat this kind of thing with him. So that became, one of my greatest memory in my life as a student, a young student from Taiwan. I did part of my job. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
1: When was What year was that? That was the late 60s? Pardon me? What, what year was that? The, was that the late 60s? Let me see. I, I went there in 1964.
0: It could be 1966 or 1965.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Almost yep. 20 years later, and they are still sensitive about 228. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. And now for a short break. Hello, listeners. We're going to be experimenting with some shorter-form content, under 20 minutes long, and we'd like to hear from you. Would you like to listen to shorter episodes? What would you like to hear more of or less of? Email us at podcast at we also have a special announcement for all of our donors past present and future we're giving all of our donors exclusive first listening access to upcoming interviews with karen lynn democratic candidate for justice of the civil court in queens new york chin yang a multidisciplinary artist who was recently inducted into the New York Foundation for the Arts Hall of Fame. Michelle Kuo, an attorney, activist, and author of Reading with Patrick, which is a runner-up for the Dayton Literary Peace Prize and the Goddard Riverside Stefan Russo Book Prize for Social Justice. Ed Lynn, author of Death Doesn't Forget, and Joe Henley, author of Migrante, If you want exclusive access to these episodes and more, support Talking Taiwan by making a contribution to our GoFundMe campaign. We are so grateful for our growing listenership and all the support that we've been receiving. Now, back to the episode. So then you said after you were in D.C., and so how did you get involved with the Taiwan Relations Act and talking to all these senators? Like How did that work start?
0: Well, we, uh, back there in Washington DC, we had the Taiwanese Associations in Washington DC, then we had, uh, the, uh, uh, all kind of, uh, Taiwanese community related organizations. So, based on that, as a base, and, uh, back in 1979, Taiwan's, uh, relationship, official relationship was cut off, and U.S. switch off the recognitions from Taiwan Mm -hmm. to mainland China so that was a kind of worry from our point of view so we were doing all we can try to to inform the U.S. congressman uh, and uh, some related officials about the nature of the development hopefully Taiwan cannot be ignored because uh, during that time, uh, as you may understand it, uh, they called uh, People's Republic of China, they called the uh, Red China. They called Taiwan uh, under Chiang Kai-shek, they called the Free China. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I myself, we went to Congress and uh, tell them that uh, Taiwan is neither free nor China. I say that because, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, because Taiwan was under martial law. So all what we want in Taiwan is just on the two things. The people in Taiwan have the right to decide upon their own future. Self-determination mm-hmm. is a principle. That was the mm-hmm. kind of uh, basic uh, thought that we had. We tried to emphasize. And secondly, uh, the Taiwanese people should have the right to keep their way of life. And the Taiwanese people doesn't want... They do not want to be a part of China, so those are two principles. Uh, hopefully, United States can bear in mind in the process of uh, U.S. Uh, upcoming uh, policies toward China. So, so that create a, a fundamental basis for United States government uh, congressmen to uh, put into uh, uh, considerations in the process of uh, coming up to. The so-called the Taiwan Relations Act, Taiwan Relations mm-hmm. Act, that was uh, enacted in 1979 April 10th, as I recall, and uh, I and uh, together with some other Taiwanese friends, we were being invited to testify uh, in the U.S. Congress uh, from our position as a as a native Taiwanese. Although that time, I was American already. Uh, Mm -hmm. because I was working for the Department of Commerce, and Mm -hmm. so I was able to give, I was given that kind of privilege to testify Mm -hmm. in U.S. Congress.
1: So you had already heard that there was something called the Taiwan Relations Act when you were reaching out to these uh, congressmen, and so that's why you reached out to them to express your opinion as Taiwanese.
0: Yeah, well, the... Well, this is something. Uh, uh, thinking back, uh, uh, it was the right thing to do it, but then you had to sacrifice something because uh, uh, my parents uh, they were still in Taiwan, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, because of my active my activities uh, regarding to uh, my belief in democracy and freedom to safeguard the people of Taiwan. I didn't then be able to enjoy the kind of uh, uh, life that I have while I I was in the USA. So that was kind of strong belief that I had picked up, but then if you gain something, you are also going to do something and because during that time Taiwan was still under martial law and uh, I was put uh, I, not only just me, we got so many friends, thousands and thousands of people from Taiwan, we, we, we share the same thought. And so we do the same thing. Uh, for one thing, try to create uh, a kind of uh, consensus that an American congressman understands what Taiwanese people really want. So that we have to sacrifice something. For instance, I wasn't able to uh, return to Taiwan. Even my father passed away. I was not given permission to return to Taiwan to attend my father's funeral service. So that was so a difficult time. So, you were on time. the
1: blacklist.
0: Oh, yes, I was on the blacklist. Not and on just me, That was my When you tried to go back, yeah. I, I can't. When you
1: tried to go back, they would not uh, allow it was not you allowed, to yes. issue a yeah. visa, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. During Taiwan's martial law and white terror era, anyone critical of the government was blacklisted, which meant that they could not leave Taiwan or, if overseas, they were not allowed to return to Taiwan what is it that you um what did you say that what well, maybe you alluded to it i was wondering what your recommendations for the taiwan relations act were
0: as i recall the taiwan relations act uh, enacted back in 1979 i think the key person uh, was uh, uh senator Pearl, senator kennedy and uh, many others and i happen mm-hmm. to know senator kennedy quite well and uh, senator uh, Pear also. As I recall during that time the the Senate Foreign Relations Committee chairman was uh, Senator Church but Senator Church's uh, physical condition was not uh, so good so as a result I think Senator Pearl from Rhode Island he's got uh, more influence and uh, mm-hmm. fortunately he was uh, becoming a good friend of mine and so we went to his office quite often and he understand the uh, Taiwanese people's desire so he invited us and not only just me, a couple of uh, many uh, distinguished Taiwanese people like uh, Peng Meng Min, Peng uh, yes. like Min uh, and um, uh, some others and yes. we just testified uh, with two principles uh, one is uh, uh, Taiwan should be free and independent and uh, the, uh, the the freedom of democracy, the, the, the human rights. And those are the mm-hmm. two uh, major uh, points that we testify and we emphasize uh, facing the U.S. congressman. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So you came to know Kennedy and Pell through your advocacy because you're reaching out and expressing yeah. your opinions yeah. and then you got yeah. to know them that, quite well. That's right. Do you yeah. have any, any, any um, particular memories about them that you'd like to share?
0: Uh, regarding to the uh, passage of the Taiwan Relations Act, and th- there's one thing I can, I I, I, I try to uh, emphasize it. Uh, I, because you, you were so young, you were not born at that time, I believe. <laughs> and, uh, no, no, uh, I
1: was, I'm not that young. <laughs> but I was, <laughs> yeah.
0: But then I was, I was going to point out,
1: I was a kid. Yeah,
0: I was going to say that, uh, uh Taiwan was, uh, uh, I said, around... Uh, about, but back in 1979, January 1st, the mm-hmm. United States government under uh, Carter administration, Carter yes. administration, uh, switched the uh, diplomatic uh, recognition from yes. Taiwan over to People's Republic of China. Yes. And that was... Uh, uh, before that of course uh, under Nixon uh, mm-hmm. uh, Nixon went to president Nixon went to Shanghai to sign up the so-called the Shanghai community uh, mm-hmm. in 1972 uh, February 28 and uh, that was uh, of course I think uh, worked behind by by Kissinger. You, you know mm-hmm. the, the, the Secretary yes. of State uh, Kissinger and mm-hmm. so the uh, because of the recognition switching over the recognition from Taiwan to uh, China the, there they were two things happened uh, one is uh, uh, in Taiwan there was a uh, so-called the, uh, uh, 1979 uh, there is a term I can't remember quite well, I think uh, the a group of uh, uh, democratic oriented uh, political figures in Taiwan were being
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, arrested mm-hmm. Kaohsiung Sijen, we call it Kaohsiung yes, the, the incident. Kaohsiung
1: Incident yes.
0: yeah, Kaohsiung Incident, that was the term and so the Kaohsiung Incident took place and uh, The way we understand from the uh, United States, uh, Taiwanese people's uh, point of view, they were good people, they believed in democracy, but then the Jiangai Shih government labeled them as a terrorist. And so using that as a terrorist tried to uh, arrest them and put them in jail. Mm -hmm. So that was something we cannot accept because we know the fact. And so we got to do something, try to save those brave uh, people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, because it's 1970, January 1st, uh, uh, after the recognitions of uh, the United States to the People's Republic of China, and then the... the, uh, the uh, completion of the Taiwan Relations Act, there was Mm -hmm. an office in uh, Washington, D.C., they call the uh, AIT, American Institute in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. So uh, the chairman of the uh, AIT was in Washington, D.C. So I took that opportunity to visit uh, the chairman of the uh, AIT, asked him, to do some kind of investigations to find out the real truth of whether those uh, hundreds of people who arrested in Taiwan uh, were really uh, terrorists or maybe they are simply just uh, uh, peace loving people
1: oh, and so forth mm-hmm.
0: so mm-hmm. We, we, we took that opportunity uh, to visit the chairman of the AIT.
1: So you asked AIT in Taiwan to investigate. It in,
0: in, in Washington yeah. D.C. In Washington so, D.C. Yeah, I can't. Sorry, I, he he became a good friend of mine. Uh, together with his wife, but I can't remember his name now. Right now, I'm sorry about it, but uh, I, I <laughs> like him so much. But he did, mm-hmm. he did go to Taiwan. Uh, to make a sort of fact-finding trip. Then after he returned from Taiwan, he uh, talked to us and uh, he said, well, from what he understand, those people are not terrorists. Those people are really peace-loving, democratic-oriented, loving people. So that was something we've been able to fight to find out the truth.
1: The Kaohsiung incident happened on December 10, 1979, when the staff of Formosa magazine organized a rally in Kaohsiung to commemorate International Human Rights Day. The rally ended with a police crackdown, and people arrested were tried and sentenced to terms ranging from 12 years to life imprisonment. At the time, the Kuomintang government and media coverage accused the rally organizers of assaulting the police, ruining public order, and advocating to violently overthrow the government under the pretext of hosting a gathering for human rights. We will share more information about the Kaohsiung incident in the related links section for this episode on our website.
0: Besides that, because during that time, I was also uh, holding the title of being the chairman of the United Taiwanese associations uh, of the whole world, the World Taiwanese Association. I was the president of that organization. And uh, I went to uh, London to Mm -hmm. talk to the, uh, uh, the they call it AI Amnesty International. I went to visit the chairman of the Amnesty International in London Mm -hmm. and tried to present the case. Hopefully, through Amnesty International, they can speak out to uh, give uh, pressure to Taiwan's government uh, to release those peace-loving, democratic uh, fighters. So I did something, I still remember quite well, I went to London and I stayed mm-hmm. in the hotel. It it was really poor, <laughs> real cheap <Wow>. hotel.
1: Yeah. Because <laughs> you went there on your own by yourself, right? To do yes, that. I was
0: on my on, own by yeah. myself. Because I mm-hmm. because I think it, it is my duty because I was able to do yes. something and I got to do it. Because yes. if I don't do yes. it, then who, who can do it? Yeah.
1: yeah. And what was the reaction? What was the outcome?
0: Well, the... I I I can't I cannot claim, uh, because there were a group of people everywhere, uh, Taiwanese around the world, uh, not only just in USA, in Japan, yes. in Europe, and so forth. We yes. were doing all we can, try to push, to find out the truth mm-hmm. of why those mm-hmm. people have been arrested. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, maybe it's a, in the end, there are some kind of... Uh, uh, maybe through the international pressure, the Chiang Kai-shek government maybe finally, I think, give up. And then finally, I think, through court process, uh, most of them being released. Uh, of course, some of them being spending some, some years in jail. Yes. Uh, and, and many of them, as you understand, later on, they, they only became politicians and they were doing some good yes. work for, for the new government here in Taiwan. Yeah.
1: Yes. And not long after that, uh, FAPA was established, right?
0: Yes, and uh, Fuapa was established in 1970, uh, 19, 1982,
1: I believe. Yeah, just FAPA celebrated 40 years. 40 it? years,
0: yes. Yeah, but, yes. But, yeah, yeah. And, and, and uh, before Fuapa's uh, uh, formation, uh, there was something uh, was pointed out. Uh, let me see, uh, okay, because the Kaohsiung incident, mm-hmm. uh, the group of people, many different organizations uh, stationed in USA, uh, we went to Kennedy's office, Senator Kennedy's yes. office in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. trying to uh, inform what's going on in Taiwan regarding to yes. the uh, lives uh, of those being incarcerated Mm -hmm. freedom fighters. Mm -hmm. So, uh, during that time, uh, Edward Kennedy, he -hmm. was the third youngest uh, brother of uh, President Kennedy, uh, Edward Kennedy, in in Washington, D.C. So, I, together with a couple of my friends uh, from Taiwan also, I went to his office, and we we uh, we, we informed him about the uh, the fact because I think after the recognitions of Taiwan's government uh, switching over to uh, People's Republic of China, yes. uh, as you may understand, used to be there was 20,000 uh, immigration quotas each year uh, for Taiwan. Uh, mm-hmm. That means each year, Taiwanese people would have uh, 20,000 quotas immigration uh, can immigrate to United States, 20,000 mm-hmm. per okay. year. Yeah.
1: Right. But,
0: uh, but because of the switching over the recognition in yeah. 1979, that took place. So overnight, that 20,000 quotas been given back to China. So Taiwan oh. lost 20,000 immigration quotas. Okay. Because it used to be U- United States recognized Taiwan. Yes. Therefore, Taiwan was able to have 20,000 uh, immigration quotas. But yes. uh, after Carter recognized uh, People's Republic of China, Taiwan mm-hmm. suddenly, overnight, right. uh, lost 20,000 immigration quotas. So we... Uh, Together with so many friends in the, in the USA, we thought, well, that is an issue worth fighting. So we thought, well, maybe we can start over to uh, lobby in uh, U.S. Congress. So uh, we have a group of people. Uh, as you may heard about, Chai Tongzong, uh, Trong Chai. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he yes. passed away. Yeah. yeah. Yes and uh, together with many, many Taiwanese people. And because I was in Washington D.C., I was working for U.S. Congress and and, uh, working for U.S. government, and uh, it was more convenient for me to to travel in Washington D.C. So we went to Senator Kennedy's office several times. We said, if Senator Kennedy can, using his uh, political uh, influence, Uh, and work in some kind of uh, uh, bill in U.S. Congress try to recover. Taiwanese uh, uh, lost 20,000 immigration quotas will be uh, tremendously appreciated and we probably will do something in return. And uh, not only just Senator Kennedy's office, we also went to Senator Peirce and the two congressmen, Congressman Soraz and, and Jim Deach. So we say, well, uh, hopefully they can help us and try to recover the, 20, the lost 20,000 uh, US immigration uh, quotas, in, and which they promised. Then, really, not too long after, they work in the US Congress, and they passed a bill, and Taiwan was able to recover. 20, uh, the, those 20,000 immigration quotas. So, so that means uh, every year USA would grant uh, people Republic of China 20,000 uh, quotas, and in the min- in the same time also uh, independently give Taiwan 20,000 immigration quotas. So we yeah, were so happy about it. Yes,
1: yeah, it's uh, incredible.
0: Yeah, it's a, it, really incredible. And so, uh, so we went to. Uh, to uh, to uh, reciprocate, try to reciprocate this kind of uh, effort uh, by the U.S. congressman, and happens to be during that time, uh, Senator Kennedy was trying to run uh, the U.S. president. So mm-hmm. we promised him, say, okay, we will do all we can to help him out. And mm-hmm. so this is one thing I point out. Uh, recovering of the 20,000 US, uh, uh, many Taiwan immigration quotas. And because the fact, uh, we were able to push and uh, accomplish this kind of uh, uh, issue, and uh, that gave us some kind of confidence uh, Mm -hmm. among the US Taiwanese community. Then we said, well, if we can do it, the next step maybe we can do something more. So we start thinking about. Hey, oh, wait a minute! The, the the Jewish people, Jewish community in USA, they are so strong. Yeah. So yes. Jewish community has a, a kind of uh, associate they call the American Jewish uh, uh, Foundations. So, so. They, they call APEC, mm-hmm. American uh, um, uh, they call APEC. I think uh, American Jewish uh, Public Affairs. So yeah. it, so we 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 went to his office. Uh, uh, I remember the person we talked to him it was, uh, I think uh, his name is Mr. Din. I still remember Chong Sai and I went to uh, learn something from him to ask him to see how do you organize this APEC. So as a result of it, uh, we we formed the uh, four part. FAPA we call Mm -hmm. Formosan Association of Public Affairs Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that was the origin that was encouraged uh, by the fact we were able to to persuade US Congress to recover our lost 20,000 immigration quotas so we think well maybe next step we can do something and uh, modeling after the, uh, the American Jewish Public uh, Associations so that was the motivation and that was the reason why we were able to form and we were uh, pushed in to finally uh, officially form this uh, Formosan Association of Public Affairs and so I was, the first president of FAPA was uh, Trong Tsai and I mm-hmm. was the second uh, president of mm-hmm. Formosan Association of Public Affairs. So, for this uh, function was the Formosan Association of Public Affairs, uh, because during that time Taiwan was uh, Taiwan already didn't have the official tie with the USA, uh, because the uh, the Europa was founded in 1982, mm-hmm. and uh, the recognitions of uh, people's Republic of uh, China was back in 1979. So mm-hmm. what we do is trying to safeguard the security of Taiwan. So FAPA's office, FAPA was mainly organized by the uh, Taiwanese Americans. They have the American mm-hmm. citizenship. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, uh, those people spread over maybe, uh, over the 50 states. And basically, they, uh, most of them concentrated in Washington D.C., New York, in Chicago, Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and so forth. So they formed this kind of group and they tried to influence uh, the, lobby, the U.S. Congress and this was the formation of the FAPA.
1: Thank you very much for sharing that story. That's very inspiring. Thank you so much. It was okay. very interesting to learn about how, you know, FAPA came along and all the work that you did. And yeah. I thank you so much. And um, well, again, Thank yeah. you very
0: much for, for this uh, opportunity.
1: I've been speaking with Mark Chen about the many years of advocacy work he did for Taiwan while in the U.S. In the second half of my interview with Dr. Chen, we'll talk about his work as an elected official, public servant, and chairman of the Prospect Foundation. This episode of Talking Taiwan has been sponsored by NAATOA, the North America Taiwanese Women's Association, Natoa, was founded in 1988 to evoke a sense of self-esteem and enhance women's dignity, to oppose gender discrimination and promote gender equality, to fully develop women's potential and encourage their participation in public affairs, to contribute to the advancement of human rights and democratic development in Taiwan, to reach out and work with women's organizations worldwide to promote peace for all. To learn more about Natoa, visit their website, www.natwa.com. Now it's time for you to show us some love. We just found out that you can rate us on Spotify. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Audible, leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There will list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin.
0: Talking Taiwan is brought to you by forumosa.com.